it's fun building things and it's fun creating dreams and helping other people build their dreams and it's fun looking at opportunities to win and and sharing hope it could be the same job but just doing it two completely different ways shifts everything that's kate vassy everything shifted for kate in her life and in her business when she started leading with love inspired by her vision rather than inhibited by her fears this conversation details Kate's journey from college student sales rep to superstar office manager through significant challenges and adversity to her successful role now as a working mother leading her division. Enjoy getting to know this powerful leader and role model. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast today. Uh, I have an awesome guest today, Kate Vassy. Kate is a 17-year veteran in the Cutco Vector business, having started in June of 2002. Uh, She was a college student in North Carolina at the time, uh, living in the uh, D.C., Maryland area uh, during the summers. And she worked with Jeff Gamboa, who has been a guest on this podcast. She was his uh, pilot manager for a couple of summers during college, graduated in 2006, became a district manager at that time. And she has been consistently one of the company's top performers ever since then, uh, ultimately being promoted to division manager of the DC Metro division. Uh, Kate has been a big time recruiter in her office. Her office has been over a million dollars in sales almost every year that she's been operating and has been an amazing developer of people with over 50 district and branch managers having come out of her organization. She's responsible for over $34 million in Cutco sales. Of course, a member of the Hall of Fame. Uh, In 2016, Kate got married to Patrick and they built a house together in the uh, DC suburbs in Maryland. And in 2018, on May 8th, uh, Kate and Patrick welcomed their daughter, Carter, into the world. And so she has built a great business while having her first child and being a a prolific achiever in what she has done. So very grateful to have you on the podcast today, Kate. Thanks for making the time. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dan. And uh, I know growing up in the business, she's always been someone that I admired and I was mentioning as we were chatting, but I still remember meeting you as a celebrity for the first time at my first SLC and neat to even just be a guest here. So huge honor. 
Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm grateful to have you on. So why don't we start by just talking about how you got started with the company? Yeah. So I heard about the job in a newspaper ad when I was a tutor for one of my classes in my senior year of high school. I held on to the newspaper ad for several months until I graduated and uh, finally applied for the job at the end of June. I was a one-person interview in a branch office that was just open for the summer. And I ended up really getting excited about the opportunity. In fact, before there was even really like a team building opportunity to recommend your friends, I told a couple of my best friends from high school who started working the same summer with me. And I only had about five weeks to work before I went to my freshman year of college, but I had an absolute blast and then ended up spending the next four years while I was in college working Cutco winter breaks and summers and had an opportunity to work with Mr. Jeff Gamboa in the pilot office the next three summers, which was just a life-changing experience and um, just had a blast. As you mentioned, got to do a little bit of assistant manager and going through the leadership training programs around college and pilot manager. And uh, when I was graduating from college after the Cutco through college experience, district manager was a really exciting opportunity that I was super fired up to have the uh, chance to do. And I remember graduating, packing up all my stuff into the car, driving from North Carolina to Maryland and uh, opening up my office right outside of DC the next day. So it's been a fun ride to think about the, you know, the last 17 years starting as a 18 year old college student to now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you were lucky to have been uh, working in a division with uh, someone like Jeff Gamboa and to be able to have that side-by-side experience with him during several of those summers during college. Uh, what were some of the, the early experiences uh, that stand out for you and some of the lessons that you feel like uh, came out of those? Yeah. One that stands out, Dan, is being a new district manager. My first few months, uh, we had a, a decent first summer and, and we finished a little over like $300,000 in sales. And I was lucky enough, like you said, to work with uh, Jeff Gamboa during my college experience. And so getting to be around him and, and all the success, when I went into my first fall as a district manager was really one of the first times in my life that I struggled a little bit. It was the first time I really felt like I wasn't great at something. and. Uh, not to say I was good at but, but I went to an, an okay high school where I could do pretty decently. I was a decent soccer player growing up and, and could hold my own. I felt like I had done pretty well throughout college in, in terms of making it. I was lucky to be a part of Gamboa's pilot that always did pretty decent. And so, you know, when I transitioned into my first fall, I, I ended up like only having a $30,000 fall as a district office. And that was a really humbling experience for me of really struggling for the first time. And I was actually trying. So it was one thing if you're like, you know, not putting in the effort, you're not doing the right things, you're not following the schedule. And, and, uh, admittedly, so I was actually doing what, what I quote unquote should have been doing. I'm not sure that mm-hmm. that was the case, but I was really trying and it wasn't connecting for me. And, I remember sitting outside of Max Dry Cleaners on the main highway of my territory where I was a district manager. And I remember calling Jeff Gamboa, who was my division manager now at the time, 
I remember crying to him for the first time ever on the phone. And I remember sharing with him that I was frustrated and I was embarrassed. You know, I was supposed to be the top district manager and to go out and crush it. And I wasn't. And I don't remember exactly what Jeff Gamboa said to me in that conversation. But what I remember is I remember how he made me feel. And I think one of the most incredible things about Jeff Gamboa as a leader and what I've learned from him is his incredible ability to make people feel special and to make people feel loved. And what I remember leaving that conversation, Dan, is he believes in me 100%. Hmm. He sees me and talks to me as if I'm already a million-dollar manager, even though that's not what I'm experiencing this second. He had no sense of doubt whatsoever in his conviction in me going big places. And I remember, Dan, after that conversation, we had a vector trip right afterwards. And I had a chance to kind of clear my head for a second. And it's where I put together right after that pivotal moment my first million dollar year on the paper. And I crafted a list of questions I was going to ask myself every single morning. And I mapped out campaign by campaign and week by week exactly what needed to happen from March through the rest of the year. And that was a turning point in my entire life that I look back on. Because what unfolded after that was our first million dollar year and almost week by week exactly what i planned out ended up happening awesome awesome you know kate what you described with the struggles that you went through in that first fall after having a pretty decent first summer as a dm you struggled in the fall and you were you were doing what you thought you needed to do and it wasn't always coming together for you. What you've described is like, it's very typical of a lot of people when they venture into the business world is it's just the reality that running your own business is not easy. If it was easy, everybody would do it. Right? Totally. And it, it's not easy. And there are times where you struggle and that struggle is, is normal. It's not, it's not some unusual occurrence. I think that's important for a lot of people to hear if they are in a period of struggle in their life or their business right now is that that is normal. That is what most everyone goes through. The people who have the rocket start and, you know, are highly successful, you know, all the time, like the Drew Franks of the world are very rare, very few and far between. Those are very, very special creatures on this earth. And that for most of us, there is a period of struggle. There was for me too. And it, what was helpful to you is you had someone that helped lead you through that struggle with Jeff, which is great. Not everybody has that person in their life that leads them through that struggle. And I also love you describing the the moment where you just decided you were going to be successful for the year and you were going to make this plan. And and I like to call that moments of truth. We all have moments of truth, which sometimes are, are small decisions that have a profound impact on the rest of our life. And you went through that moment and uh, and you came out of it uh, much, much greater and much better. And, and there were a lot of great lessons that came out of that, I'm sure, for you. Tell us more about that time. Anything else that you want to share from from that time? I think there's there's two things that come to mind, Dan. One is from that was really 
putting together the power of that decision, like you mentioned, but then also implementing the daily routine that coincides with that to really make the change happen. Mm. And so before Miracle Morning with Hal Elride, I even had the opportunity to read or, or learn about, I didn't even know necessarily what I was doing, but I remember every day that year when I would eat breakfast before I left for the office is I would set a kitchen timer. So this like tells you how long ago it was. It wasn't even on my iPhone or anything, but I would set a kitchen timer for 10 minutes. And I didn't even know exactly what I was going to do every morning, but I just looked at the questions that I had written down about what type of leader I wanted to be and who could I influence today? And what was I doing to take a step forward in creating a million dollar year? And I wasn't even on the top 20 national report yet. I wrote myself in to the very bottom. And every day I would look at it during that 10 minutes before the day just to set my intentions. And so one of my main takeaways from that time frame, in addition to Jeff Gamboa's just loving leadership, was that power of putting it to paper in the goal, but it's got to have a daily routine and intention that follows it to really couple that together and, and make a true impact for me. Mm. And so that's where the, the very first time I ever started doing a version of a morning routine. And that was really helpful for me to stay the course, even when it was the day-to-day -day things that sometimes didn't feel that important. One of the quotes that has always stuck with me in my mind is that uh, discipline is remembering what you want. And when you have a routine that reminds you of the things you want, it, it becomes easier to stay motivated on a regular basis and to actually do the things you're supposed to be doing. And so you had this routine where you were reading the questions about who you wanted to become. You were look, reviewing your plan. You were seeing yourself written onto the national standings on a daily, regular basis, reminding yourself. And, and that keeps us on it in our lives. And, and we all need stuff like that to be able to stay motivated and stay inspired. So really some great insights there, Kate, that, that arose from those early challenges in your career. Tell us about uh, a few other of your most transformational experiences in your career and just, just how they've shaped you into who you are now. So one I remember that stands out significantly is uh, a key moment was kind of building on, on where we left off here is I start crafting this million dollar year and uh, things start going into motion. And not right away, right? But each day and each week starts building. And uh, before I know it, we've, we've had a $750,000 second summer and it's just attracted some amazing people onto the team. And now the organization's thriving and it's fun and it's energetic. And one of the things that I've been sharing with, with my team is this rally of, a thrill of a mill, right? And going for a million dollar target together. And I've also been talking about capturing the cup was one of our themes. So going after this national number one spot and, and winning our, uh, our team's silver cup in the rookie category. And going into the final week, it's the week of Christmas. And so you know, in terms of sales, we're feeling pretty decent. We've got a $40,000 lead on team number two. 
And so we're still selling and, and, and closing things out. But the way things unfold is that our team, all our candidates, all these great people we've been rallying behind, we've got this 40K lead, and I'm running a big dance training the day after Christmas. So December 26th, we have so many people in training. I'm running it in a hotel down the street from our office. And all of our candidates are lined up in the back watching me run training. So nobody's out there selling in this last week. Oh, I mean, you're thinking that <laughs> I'm like, I, I think we've got a pretty good uh, enough of a cushion here, right? So the timing of it was that the final national report was going to come out on the 26th this year. And so after training and he's, you know, 60 or 70 people leave their first day of training. I'm left with my crew of candidates, you know, and then they're 15 or 20 deep of, of people watching and, uh, and learning and with hopes of running their own branch and district and assistant manager spots for, for this next year. And they all know the standings are coming out today. And so at the end of training, confidently, I pull up on my laptop, the Vector Connect report. And I see that team number two had a $70,000 sales week in the last week. I think their best sales week ever. Of the year. In the last week. And they beat us for the silver cup. Mm. And Dan, I remember in that moment, right? After this pivotal time at the Max Cleaners and Jeff Gamboa pouring his love into me and this coming up with this plan and 10 minutes every day. And I've been sharing this mission, right? This capture this cup, capture the cup and thrill of them all. I've been sharing it every day. I mean, every interview, every training, every conversation, we've all rallied behind this mission. And I pull up the report. And in that moment, I wanted to cry, flip a desk. I was angry. I was I was embarrassed, right? I'm thinking to myself, what do I say to my team right now? I don't even know how or or what it was. Maybe it's Gembo is training, grace of God, whatever it was. But I closed my laptop and I invited every candidate. I, I was like, hey guys, come on up to the front. And I told my team that the number two team had beat us in the last week of the year and that we didn't win the silver cup. And I told them... I just want to tell you how proud I am of each of you. And we spent the next 90 minutes or whatever it was. And we went around to every person and we just talked about how much we love them on the team, how fun it's been to see their growth over this year. We talked about funny stories. We talked about all the cool things that have happened. And it was this huge celebration of what we'd created. And Dan, I'll be honest, I'm a competitive person. I've been always competitive with grades. I've been competitive ever since I was a little kid, like winning the clean plate club when I was like competing against my cousins and siblings to soccer state championships. And up until that point in my experience with Vector, even Cutco through college, even as a new DM, you know, a lot of times it was about winning number one. It was about being the best. And while that moment stung, taking that step back 
And for the very first time, I realized it was it was about the journey. You know, my team had already we had already won. Now I would still like to have a silver cup, but my team had already won. And that moment where I had two choices to be angry and upset and, and resentful or to pour love into my team. What happened is my team saw what I really cared about. And what I really cared about wasn't just the trophy and just what it wasn't. I cared about the cup way more than any of them cared about the cup. But what it was about was who they were becoming, who we were becoming in the process. And I still remember that conversation that we all had together. I can remember their faces. I can tell you the names of the people that were there. And that crew went on to be the foundation of our district and development team that would be the base for years and years and years and years to come. Championship branches and top pilot managers. And I mean, just in every aspect of Mm -hmm. of people that played such an influential role. Wow! So it was one of the lowest moments of of working so hard to get to this place and probably also one of the most important lessons that I needed to learn. There's a lot of good insights that can come out of that story. And and I think that the main one that strikes me is the idea that competition is extremely valuable to keep us honest. It's extremely valuable for motivation and, and to drive us. But in the end, in a, in a business like ours, we can't control what the other people are doing, right? We can only control our own results. And, uh, and, and the fact of the matter is you guys went out and you achieved your million goal. You had all the people became all, you know, they became great, great things in the process of working toward the goal. And like you said, the success in the journey was all, it was all there. Like all, all of the things you wanted to become throughout the journey, they all happened, whether this other office sold 70,000 that last week or 20,000 that last week. And it's hard to accept that in the moment as you, I'm sure, experienced during that time. But as you look back, right, all of the great things that have come out of, uh, out of your organization, they were all formed through the process of that year. And th- those things were all a reality, whether or not that other office ended up beating you in that, in that final week. So I think that competition is an important thing for people to focus on, but it's not the end-all be-all. The end-all be-all is setting our own goals, achieving our own standards, doing what we feel like we should do, enjoying the process while we're at it. So it's cool. Totally. I think it's also a good reminder that sometimes in those, in those moments, right, those key moments, is an opportunity for us to see our true character And it's also an opportunity for people to see our true character as a leader. And so sometimes in those moments, I think are, are so powerful for us to strengthen our relationship with someone or our relationship with our team. And in some cases, it's also a good gut check or reality check for us when that isn't our first response, right? Hey, I've got an opportunity here and I've had lots of those too, where I look back on those conversations and I think, man, I could have done that a lot better, right? Or, hey, that wasn't my best in in that initial response during that challenge. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Tell me more uh, about some of the transformational moments as you moved into being a division manager and, and leading a large organization. Yeah. 
So Dan, just a few years ago, I was in a, a spot as a relatively new division manager a few years in. And um, I would say that I was really underperforming. I remember feeling frustrated. I, I remember there's a, a gap in where I knew our division could be performing and should be performing, right, in my mind and, and where we were. And instead of that getting me excited to, to go bigger, I remember even thinking things like, oh man, I wish I was a district manager. I really liked being a district manager. I made a lot of money as a district manager. I had a lot of freedom as a district. I'm kind of working two different jobs right now and I don't feel like it's, it's even better. Along that same time, Dan, there was also a lot of things that started happening in my personal life, really exciting and not so exciting. So this kind of being stuck and, and going into a tough spot was also coupled with I got engaged, which is super exciting. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I finally felt like I found the perfect partner and I'd never felt so sure about anything and so excited to be engaged. Well, a few short months later, my dad unexpectedly passed. Then my mom unexpectedly passed a few short months after that. And then a, a close family member was experiencing some challenges with mental health that caused, uh, you know, months and months of, of a whole issue of trying to get them help and stability. And, and I remember coming to an SLC and John Kane came up to me and he offered to help me get help. And he didn't even know all the details, right? Of all this stuff going on, but he offered to support me in, in getting some help. And he connected me with Fima Zanke, who's also been featured on one of your podcasts. And she was absolutely transformative in helping me to take the next step forward. And in that process, Dan, it was so cool to actually lean in to just some of those fears. And through some coaching and through some help, I was able to just like unload some of that stuff and lean into some of those fears with someone asking me some tough questions and helping me facilitate through the process of, of just getting to my actual core of who I am as a leader, which is that 22, 23 year old, hey, we lose the silver cup and I just pour in love on people, right? It's getting back to what I know and I've been taught from Jeff Gamboa of just making you feel so special and listening to you and building confidence in you. And I had just let other things get in the way of all that. What it allowed me to get back to and enabled to happen was just getting to that core of leading with love and not worrying about losing people, but hey, loving people. And if this is the spot for them, awesome. I want to help them achieve their dreams. Let's do it together. Hey, and if someone comes to me and th this just isn't the spot, we both agree and work on it. Being okay with 100% with supporting them and giving my blessing and, and helping them to find whatever's the next best fit. You know, I started asking people tough questions, not because I wanted to ask them tough questions, because, but they were the questions that needed to be asked, right? And doing it from a place of loving them and knowing that, hey, asking these questions can help them unlock their true potential 
of having the best 2019, the best 2020, the best year that they can possibly have. You know, asking questions that I really needed to know the answer to and not worrying about what they were going to say. You know, leading from a place of really being authentic and not being perfect. Mm. I always felt like, Dan, I kind of had to be like perfectly together, right? And some of that is is a little bit learned, right? Of, of look perfect on the outside and have everything together and 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 how you do one thing is how you do everything. And so I felt like I had to be this this perfect example, so buttoned up all the time, right? And that I couldn't actually have things going on. And so while I care about being professional and, and respected and and doing things the best I can, I also made a shift to just be real. So telling people, hey, I noticed I'm not good at this. And so this is what I'm working on to try and get better here. Hey, I want to be honest with you. Hey, I'm having a tough week this week because this is something that happened. Hey, I'm working to give my best this week while I am here in the office, while I'm here with our team. But if I seem a little distracted, it's because this is going on right now. And actually opening up and sharing what's going on in my life, that it's not perfect. And that being authentic and, and real and being okay with that. You know, sometimes I, I'm a planner. So even before a conversation, Dan, sometimes I would plan out my agenda of the conversation. And I still do that, right? But in a different way, sometimes I would go into the conversation and it was like I was trying to check all the boxes of everything I wanted to cover with someone. And instead is, I always repeat the same thing. I, I really close my eyes and I think about the person before that interaction now. And I think about, hey, what is on my heart that I need to share? What is it that's going to help them move forward? And I really take that intentional time to think about someone. Mm-hmm. Try to open my heart and open my mind before the conversation to really be able to serve and pour into them. You know, at the beginning of the conversation, instead of starting with my agenda, say, hey, in our time together today, what is it that you're hoping I ask about? What is it that you really want to talk about today? What is it you want to get from our time together? Hey, I have a few thoughts prepared, but let's make sure we get to yours first. Hmm. And sometimes that means we don't ever get to, you know, if something's urgent, but if we don't get to my agenda, that's okay because my job is to serve and lead and love them to help them get to the next spot. So many good things came out of what you just said right there, Kate. Now, I thought about one of the things I first thought about is uh, our, our friend Hal Elrod says authenticity trumps perfection. And when you have that level of authenticity with people, it builds a ton of trust. And trust is the foundation for every great relationship. And so you've built strong relationships. You've been such a great developer of people. And I'm sure largely because you have good trust with the people who are around you. And and, and that's really key. And, And the concept that you said about having to be this perfect example, this buttoned up, just perfect example for people, that's something that every leader grapples with. Every one of us, something I grapple with all the time. It's like, you know, we're supposed to be these people that are set a a great example for others and we've got these great lives and they want to be like us and we've got it all under control. And we have our own issues and problems and challenges just like everybody else does, right? Every one of us does. And, uh, and to try to hide it, it doesn't really work that well versus, you know, being more authentic as a leader and being able to open up and share yourself. And you went through such big time challenges, like real big time challenges that most people don't experience. And the way to get past those things 
is investing yourself into other people. I can remember an, a, a guy speaking many years ago, he was a very old man speaking many years ago at an event. He described a concept he called above the line and below the line, which basically meant how you're feeling emotionally. And, and, the, and that the way that you go above the line is through contribution. That was the way he described it. You go above the line through contribution. When you're contributing to others, when you're giving to others, when you're leading with love, as you've described here, that's where you feel better, you feel more motivated, and it just starts this upward cycle uh, that can help you in everything that you do. So I feel like there's some great insights you shared there, Kate. In making that shift, Dan, it also kind of transitioned into a space of, instead of focusing on the problems, instead of focusing on the circumstances and where we weren't, right, or I wasn't, or our team, is stepping back and really taking a second in, in doing this above the line like you're describing, right? Contribution and leading in love is really leading from a place of vision and hope and opportunities and solutions. And we've heard, you know, having the opportunity to attend things like vector conferences, right? We've heard before, hey, where your your focus goes, energy flows. And and we know that, but even I catch myself forgetting to do it and I have to be reminded, right? And I I was in this spot for even a couple of years, I would say, of being focused on problems and fixing problems versus building my organization mm-hmm. versus focusing on the solutions. And that really is a big shift. Even that routine of, of a morning routine of focusing on, hey, what am I grateful for? And even envisioning the day unfolding as if it's already happened and setting those intentions, hey, giving thanks at the end of every day, hey, what am I so grateful for? And when you start shifting that focus, we all know it, right? But sometimes we forget to do it or forget to do it as often. And we get caught up in the, the day-to-day of fixing and problem solving versus, hey, am I, am I maintaining? Am I, I just going through the motions of, of checking this off the list and solving it? Or am I spreading vision? Am I spreading hope? Am I, am I u- using and looking at all the opportunities here? And that's when life is really fun. It's really fun when you're, it's no fun answering the phone, solving problems, right? And just fixing stuff all the time. It's fun building things and it's fun creating dreams and helping other people build their dreams. And it's fun looking at opportunities to win and and sharing hope. It could be the same job, but just doing it two completely different ways shifts everything. And that was really such a fun change to make and as soon as that started happening, everything got lighter. You know, everything got easier. And it was all just so much more fun to do. The conversations became more fun and being around people. And, and our division just became more magnetic. People started coming back that, you know, had been away. They could just feel that this was a spot that was going towards the direction of, of vision and hope. And that's a, an exciting place to be. Yeah. Um, wow. And so Dan, just that one, that one shift, right. Of shifting out of fear and shifting out of anger and frustration and shifting into leading with love really changed has changed everything. That is amazing to hear. 
really good insight that I'm sure a lot of people will get a lot from for sure. Uh, Kate, uh, tell us about uh, the experience of having your first child while you're running your division and just some of the challenges that you had in that experience. Yeah. Well, I would definitely say that receiving the news that we were expecting was so exciting. Hearing the news as a vector manager that your due date is May 18th and then, you know, (laughs) giving birth on May 8th. It was exciting and, of course, some challenges that, that go along with that, right? Uh, <laughs> I think I, I always thought to myself, you, you can't have a great summer if you're out of the business for nine of those weeks, you know, as a division manager, as a district manager. And some of those limiting beliefs, right, that I had convinced myself of at some point. And so, Dan, to be honest, I've always wanted to be a mom in Vector, a wife in Vector. I've always wanted to build my my life here. And I've always thought to myself, this is an amazing place to raise a family, especially as a working mom. And I've never understood why there aren't more examples because I could see even from a young district manager that this was, this was going to be the spot. And so of course there's some challenges of uh, hey I haven't done this before right I consulted people like you know an Angie McDougal who's had two children as a division manager and is one of the most pro- prolific managers we have uh, in our corporation you know reading blogs and doing all that sort of stuff I want to say that support on a corporate level for being a, a working leader especially in vector marketing is outstanding. You know, as soon as I shared this news with Jim Stitt, you know, he was elated to celebrate for my family. When I shared with Al Leonardo, he teared up when I shared the news with him in just happiness. Uh, Earl Kelly and, and his wife, you know, celebrated with us and every person's response was, we're here to help. You know, we, we want to see this succeed on such a big level. And, you know, I think, you know, you're in the right place when that's the response. You know, even though I knew I was a little worried about, you know, having a May uh, birthday for, for my daughter, they seem completely unfazed and 100% confident that we would make this outstanding. And, um, you know, so many people just stepped up to support. Trent Booth came down and uh, during my maternity leave and helped run a staff meeting and support my division. John Fiaco came in to visit some of the offices that we had set up in advance for him to come do a visit. You know, Earl Kelly stepped up in my division to really play a role in strengthening relationships with a lot of the district managers. And really, it's two key players in my division that so many people, but, you know, a Colin James my pillar district manager that really stepped up to lead, and especially my dom, Courtney Swain, who, when I shared this news with her, she was like, let's do this. I'm so excited to to take charge and to get to do this and, and to serve. And she is just so amazing with really just creating an incredible summer all on her own through your division manager, being completely unavailable for nine weeks in a row during the summer. And uh, just fun to see what's possible. I would say that, of course, the planning and coordinating and thinking about, well, what does it look like if you're not there for nine weeks? You know, how do you still win 
it's fun to plan out. It also has its challenges because it forces you to think completely differently. And I would also say that that's been a huge gift because it challenges you like the Drew Frank to question everything, right? Well, well, I've always done it this way, but how can I do it now? Mm -hmm. What can it look like this time? You know, and sometimes in those opportunities, it also allows other leaders to really emerge in, in a big way. And I saw that happen. So, you know, so beautifully in our division. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. But, uh, that that's how it unfolded for you. And if anyone listening is not a part of Vector or doesn't remember uh, the flow of the year, May and June are really the most critical months in our business. And so having a baby May 8th, you were really out for the two, the two months that really shaped the entire year uh, in our company. You were out during that precise time. So that sort of added to the challenge. And as division managers, all of our people are independent business people. We're our division managers are not employees in Vector, and so they're running their own independent businesses. And so it's it's exactly like owning your own business and then not being able to be there for the two most important months that shape the year and having to have a staff beneath you to help run everything and having having support of people who are you know at the corporate level in the company uh, was an added benefit that you had. And uh, just very cool that you're able to experience that and to have thrived and, and done well in that in, through that challenge. I would say, Dan, I also still am navigating through the challenges of being a working mom that I think a lot of working parents and, and I think a lot of working moms can relate to. You know, I'm still dealing with, I have a one and a half year old. So I deal with those humbling moments, right? You're like, I've studied all these leadership books and attended all these conferences. And, and then, <laughs> you know, you put your kid in time out for biting and, you know, they laugh at you and you think to yourself, like, where have I gone wrong? Like, what, did, <laughs> what are you not taking seriously about my leadership? You know, you say things like, don't throw your food at dinner. And, you know, they slap you in the face with a piece of pizza two seconds later, you know, from across, <laughs> across the room. And, uh, you know, I, I, on a serious note, I also deal with some of the challenges of, working through still not being perfect. You know, everything has got to give a little bit when when you're a parent. You know, you can't do your work exactly like you did before and still be the parent that you want to be and the spouse that you want to be and that finding your rhythm, right? Of of how do you spin all the plates and where do you give your time and and figuring out that that sort of stuff. I will say Dan that every year I appreciate my experience in being vector trained more and more as I go through marriage, as I recently became a parent, I honestly believe with 100% conviction that our training in leadership, being a district manager, is the best training I could have ever had for becoming a parent. Mm. You know, learning how to work hard during certain times has given me confidence as a parent than when it's hard, when it's a tough night, when it's a newborn. Like, I can do this. I've done this before. I can do this for a period of time. You know, things like consistency, things like programs and a schedule, right? That kids thrive on, especially when they're little. Like, I've, I've learned how to do that through our programs that we have here. You know, having standards and expectations and sticking through them, right? And enforcing them every time, even when you're tired, 
even when you don't feel like it, even when it's time number 37 of going to timeout for the day or whatever it might be, right? It's, I, I know how important that is because I know how it shapes our leaders for the future because I've had a chance to practice it on some sort of scale, right? In, in within what we do. I know that having the tough conversation is more important than not having it, right? I know to do it. And even, even when my, my child is young, I know how important that is for her becoming the woman I, I know she can be, right? And doing the best job I can as a parent. I honestly can't imagine being a parent in some cases without having this, this base, right? This, this constant training. But I also just think about being a district manager or division manager the autonomy that we have here to make things work completely aligns with being able to be the type of parent that I want to be. And I love that we can, we have some flexibility to make our schedule and support our families the way that we want to show up for them. And then just the circle of influence that we're around. You know, I know you just did a parent podcast and I love this is that this is what people are talking about. You know, when I go to even DVM meetings or conferences, it's a common topic for us at dinner. You know, what, what are we doing to be better, better parents? And hey, what are you doing with your, I love that that's my circle of influence, that they're constantly challenging my thinking about being a better spouse, being a better, being a better parent. And I'm so grateful that I get to be a working mom here because it is such a fantastic fit for challenging and humbling me and, and teaching me as we go. I have to constantly be reminded of leading with love, right? And and I can e- I even get stuck and get back to that spot on a regular basis of being angry or solving problems and and I'm always reminded here about vision and hope and and leading from the right place. And I love that this is a spot where I get to be a new mom. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic, Kate. You know, there's so many great things I think have come out of this conversation. And when I think about all the ways that you are changing lives in in the world, you know, just describing the challenges that you've overcome and setting an example in that way, that's been super powerful. Uh, The idea of leading with love and and how you're demonstrating that and, and doing that with your people and helping them see that process has been really awesome. And then, of course, uh, your example as a working mom. There are many young women who will grow up in Vector and, and, and will look up to people like you and like Angie and others, Kathy and others that uh, are out there uh, that they want to be able to be like. And, and you're helping people to see the vision of how they could advance, how they could have children, have a career, get it all done. And it's just amazing to see all of the ways that you're impacting people. It, uh, it's great, Kate. So I just want to really acknowledge you for that. And I, I want to thank you for all your awesome time here on the podcast today. I think this has been a great conversation. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks so much, Dan. I really appreciate it. And what an honor to be surrounded by some of the other guests that you featured. So many people that I look up to and uh, can't wait to check out the next episodes that you have. Thanks, Dan. All right. Awesome. Kate Bassey, everyone. Hope you enjoyed that. I think it's really great to have heard Kate describe some of the difficulties of being a new 
manager running a new uh, business as a district manager, the difficulties that came up after her first summer. It just really illustrates how hard it is to be in business for yourself. And, and that again, that is the norm for most people to experience those challenges and be, be able to learn how to navigate through them, be able to gain support from others around you, to use the support of people who are there to help you, not to be afraid to ask for help. Uh, all those things are uh, really powerful. Where she talked about Jeff Gamboa and how he was able to make her feel. That was a critical insight. I'm just reminded of the quote that uh, is attributed to Maya Angelou, which is that, to, you know, people won't remember what you say, people won't remember what you do, but they will remember how you made them feel. And consider the way that you are, what is the emotional response you're creating in the people that you're dealing with on a daily basis? How are you making people feel? Of course, Kate experienced some really major life challenges, a lot more challenging than what most people experience. And through coaching, working with Fima Zanke, she learned about the idea of leading with love, about pouring into her people and how that would, you know, circle back to help her to overcome these big challenges emotionally and to help other people around her to grow and develop a great organization. And it's been amazing to see the example Kate has set now as a new mom, as a working mom. One of my friends has a saying where he says, uh, you can't be what you don't see. And for anyone growing up in our business who's thinking about having a family while being a leader in our business, really a top executive as Kate is in our business, uh, it's great to see people who are doing just that and enjoying it, loving it, thriving at it. And Kate has been an amazing example for so many people throughout our company and, and throughout her circles of influence. Thanks very much for listening to the podcast today. Have a fantastic rest of your day. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode of Changing Lives, Selling Knives, hit the subscribe button so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. And if you want access to today's show notes, including links to any resources mentioned, visit changinglivespodcast.com. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. I'll catch you back here in a few days for our next story about changing lives.